Good morning, Wyoming. I'm Mark Hamilton, and I'm your host today. And today we're going to take a look at some political happenings. Our three representatives in Washington have made the headlines. Energy, we'll look at our prices. And yes, that price of uh, unleaded fuel is not going to come down, and we may be there for quite some time. In agriculture, we'll talk about mentors. In EVs, electric vehicles, we'll talk about rebates. A little bit of a change from last week's Lovejoy's First here in Wyoming. Also, we'll talk about, for Mental Health Month, a new call center in Casper, Wyoming. And, you know, we'll touch on 399, and she has an empty nest now, and a new suitor named Bruno. And finally, we'll look at Lovell, Wyoming, and their law enforcement and the great things that are happening. All today here on Let's Talk Wyoming, your Everything Wyoming podcast. Taking a look at Wyoming weather here on the 18th day of May. It's going to be a warm one out there. And when I say warm, when you go from these cool temperatures up in the 70s, almost hit 80, it is definitely warm out there. Looks like we've had a nice week. Of course, we've had our usual wind, but the weather has been really good. We're looking at a cool down coming over the weekend, kind of on that pattern that we had about a week ago. We had that cool down come through over the weekend. See temperatures down in the 50s, so we go one day from 80, then we'll go the next day to 50. So here before long, we'll be continuing up with 80 and above, but it is definitely green as we've talked about in previous shows. The um, conditions outside are great. Great time to be out and traveling here in the state of Wyoming. Wyoming political news. Our congressional group in Washington from Wyoming made the major headlines this last weekend. We had off by Cynthia Loomis. She was the commencement speaker for the University of Wyoming graduation over the weekend, and she got the ball rolling with a comment about two sexes. There are male and female, which drew a negative response from the graduates in the crowd. Also from the news media, she got a lot of attention for that. All Liz Cheney, our famous congresswoman, she blamed the shooting in Buffalo, New York, on the Republican leadership and their support of white supremacy. Kind of a stretch, I think, Liz, again, trying to make some more friends in the Republican Party. Finally, John Barrasso was in a photo op in Ukraine with President Zelensky along with Mitch O'Connell and some other Republicans. They needed to get over there after Nancy Pelosi made the trip the week before. Congress had just approved the $44 billion spend for Ukraine. And some, finally, from Washington, Congress had hearings this week on UFOs and their concerns about their existence, looking at some of the evidence that they have. So it'll be rather interesting to see what they finally come up with on the threat of Alien life coming to Earth. Taking a look at Wyoming energy today, West Texas Intermediate crude is at 111.10. Natural gas is at 8.30. As we talked about, it looks like this price is going to stay strong for quite some time. Gasoline has dropped. It was up over $4, just got over $4 earlier in the week in trading. It is now at 384. Well, you can expect an increase in your gas prices wherever you live with this. Also, in a report from the 
Wyoming Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. The rig count is up to 19 rigs. There are four rigs running in Campbell County, nine in Converse, one in Goshen, one in Laramie, one in Park, two in Sublette, and one in Sweetwater County. Oil production for February 2022 saw an increase in production by approximately 4% from this time last year, which is good news. And on the natural gas side, reported a decrease in production by 11% from this time last year. Production for February could increase when final production numbers for February are released later. And again, on the natural gas side, of course, you're in the middle of the cold weather and there is a lot of downtime due to weather conditions. So you will see potentially some drops in natural gas production. And then a lot of those are probably going to be made up in the later reports. In a report from the Casper Star Tribune by Nicole Pollack, the state of Wyoming is in the news. They are, in, along with the Western Energy Alliance, in court against the Department of the Interior on the oil and gas leasing situation. And so far from the article, there are no challenges to the agency's actions on oil and gas leasing that have been decided in federal court. Wyoming's case is among the first in the country to reach oral arguments. The Biden administration extended delay of onshore oil and gas leasing in the U.S. is illegal. Attorneys for the state of Wyoming and industrial groups argued Friday in federal courtroom in Cheyenne. Attorneys representing the state of Wyoming and the Western Energy Alliance told U.S. District Judge Scott W. Skalvdahl that the absence of new onshore oil and gas leasing under the Department of the Interior violates statutory requirements set out by Congress. At a minimum, said Travis Jordan, Wyoming's counsel, the Mineral Leasing Act requires the federal government to hold a lease sale four times each year. The floor is quarterly lease sales, and the ceiling is as the Interior Secretary deemed necessary, Jordan said. The Department of the Interior has not held an onshore lease sale since Joe Biden took office. It is currently moving forward with a lease sale scheduled for June in an effort to comply with the court order to resume quarterly sales issued in a separate but similar case moving through federal court in Louisiana. Lease sales shall be held for each state where eligible lands are available at least quarterly, the Mineral Leasing Act reads, and more frequently if the Secretary of the Interior determines such sales are necessary. At the heart of the dispute lay questions about how past administrations define eligible or available, what those terms were intended to mean, and how much authority over leasing decisions they afford the Secretary of the Interior. The agency attorney, Michael Sawyer, said that as long as the environmental review of the proposed parcels, a requirement under the National Environmental Policy Act, wasn't finished, there were no eligible and available lands for the federal government to lease. Mark Barron, who represents the Western Petroleum Alliance, argued that it was the federal government's responsibility to make sure its environmental reviews were ready in time for quarterly lease sales. So rather interesting that Wyoming has stepped up to challenge this ruling of our administration's attack more or less on energy business, on oil and gas. So we'll keep you updated as more information becomes available. You look at Wyoming agriculture, those hills definitely are green. There's grass growing out there that's good for our stockmen at this point. We can want weather to continue on, get this moisture. Definitely this cool weather does help with the grass growth. I know that uh, our Bighorn River going through Hot Springs County is up high right now. A lot of water coming from these last few storms. Again, we've got 
additional snow in our snowpack. So as these days start to warm up, we'll get a little bit more water runoff and hopefully that'll help us out as far as our agricultural community. Farmers are still, the grain, grain crop is up and doing well with this cool weather and they're still continuing with planting operations. In an article from The Successful Farmer by Gene Johnston, Dakota Everts leads the Growing Forward program for young farmers. Everts believes strongly that there are a few practical tips that will greatly improve the odds of long-term success. Here are her six-step formula. Number one, find a mentor. This is someone to invest in you, not monetarily, but as your first advisor and sounding board. The important thing, she says, is that your mentor has the experience of been there, done that. They might be from your immediate family, but there's also an advantage to a mentor who is not a relative to reduce the bias factor. If you need help, ask your lender to help find a mentor. Be a record keeper. This sure may seem tedious, but it is valued comes to full nutrition when they're building a new farm business. This includes everything from production records, like breeding dates, to business records such as fence investments or pasture leases. They are your best tools for knowing which group of cattle or individual cows are making your money and which aren't, she says. Also have a marketing plan. It has to be more than simply to sell at the highest market of the year. A good marketing plan, says Everts, takes into account such things as a particular cattle, or you have found success in the past, market alternatives, and unforeseen events. It sets a course of action without letting emotion get in the way. A good marketing plan will carry you through both the ups and downs. Also, you want to mitigate risk. What happens if the weather turns against you, or prices collapse unexpectedly, or you lose a pasture lease? A good farm insurance specialist can help risk mitigation, including knowing all the options for livestock risk protection. Also, you want to track your financial progress. Do your end-of-the-year balance sheet. This is how you and your lender can see your success. It's very important you do this every year. Also, finally, put a lender on your board. It may not be a formal board of the directors, but good farms and ranches at least have an informal board. They are your most trusted helpers, your mentor, your veterinarian, your accountant, and your market advisor. Your lender on your board. These are the people who really want you to reach your goals and build a future. Your lender needs to be part of that team. Wise words of advice, and it's pretty exciting right now in the agricultural community. There are so many young people that are getting involved and having success in their endeavors. Lovejoy's first car, built in Laramie, Wyoming. And now today here we're talking about electric vehicles. In a story from the Western Journal, President Joe Biden planned to cut U.S. emissions drastically, relies on more Americans to buy electric vehicles, which is why the administration wanted to include massive subsidies for Americans to buy them. At the same time, American manufacturers can't build electric vehicles fast enough for the people who want to buy them, while wait lists on some models are stretching over a year. How do you reconcile throwing money away, throwing it for people to buy the electric vehicles when the demand far outstrips the supply? If you're Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, you don't. In a particularly brutal portion of Buttigieg's testimony before the Senate Appropriations Committee, the Transportation Secretary didn't respond to West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin's question about why the Biden administration wanted to give EV purchasers huge tax breaks to buy what they've already been buying. Tax breaks for EV buyers have been a major part of Biden's abortive Build Back Better Act with tax incentives up to $12,000, according to CNBC. 
while that massive omnibus package failed, thanks mostly to Manchin, who refused to support it, there has been hope of revisiting it. There is a waiting list for EVs right now with a fuel price at $4, Manchin told Buttigieg, but they still want to throw away five or $7,000, $12,000 credits to buy an electric vehicle? It makes no sense to me whatsoever when supply and demand. We can't produce the product for the people who want it, and we're still going to pay them to take it? That's absolutely ludicrous in my mind, Manchin continued. But I'm thinking we're going to get ourselves in a tangled in a situation that we're not going to be able to get out of to be able to supply the electrodes, anodes, and cathodes. Everything that's going to be needed for the product he added, referring to the concerns that much of the supply for the critical EV materials runs through China. He then asked Buttigieg if he shared his concerns. Buttigieg answered, he shared about half of them and the other half, namely the credits, he wasn't going to be talking about. Continue on with our month of May Mental Health Month. In a release from the Wyoming Department of Health, a new Wyoming-based suicide prevention lifeline will strengthen the response available for state residents who find themselves in crisis, according to the Wyoming Department of Health. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, the right thing to do is to call 911, said Lindsay Martin, Injury and Violence Prevention Program Manager with the Wyoming Department of Health. We know talking with someone about your thoughts and feelings can help save your life, Martin said. With lifeline options, people call or text to discuss lots of things. Financial troubles, relationships, sexual identity, depression, illness, and loneliness are just a few of the examples. We want anyone who's experienced feelings of crisis or potential suicidal thoughts to reach out. There are people willing to listen and help, and the resources are available, Martin said. Residents in crisis should call 1-800-273-TALK-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. Central Wyoming Counseling Center in Casper is operating the new Wyoming Lifeline with funding from the Wyoming Department of Health, which was approved earlier in the year by Wyoming Legislature and Governor Mark Gordon. For now, the Wyoming Lifeline Call Center will answer calls eight hours a day, five days a week. At other times, calls will be directed to backup call centers located across the country through the U.S. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Martin said another option for residents looking for help and support is to text YO to 741-741 for the crisis text line. The Wyoming Lifeline Call Center will be able to acknowledgeably refer callers to local community mental health resources. There is no charge for anyone who calls a lifeline number or sends a text to the crisis text line. Suicide is a leading cause of preventable death in Wyoming. The state has historically had one of the highest suicide rates in the nation and was second highest in 2018. So again, those numbers for our Wyoming residents, 1-800-273-8255 or if you would like to text, you would text W-Y-O to 741-741 for the crisis text line. And then if you can't reach anybody or you definitely need help, always call 911. 
saga of 399 continues on in an article in the jackson hole news and guide by billy arnold grizzly 399 and her four cubs have officially separated spreading out into different areas of grand teton national park and the unincorporated areas of teton county last thursday and friday one cub one of the two that was collared last year was hazed with vehicles and cracker shells Friday morning after spending the evening in the solitude subdivision where they call a free sibling. Mom and Gavin Fish, large carnivore supervisor Dan Thompson, said that the bear had not gotten into a conflict or access human-related food. Rather, it was hazed to keep it out of the residential area and let the two-year-old sub-adult know, this is not an area we want you to habitate, Thompson told the Jackson Hole Daily. The Friday morning operation came after 399's cubs were emancipated over the previous 48 hours, an action that wildlife managers have widely expected since the five bears emerged from their den on Easter weekend. Grizzly cubs usually separate from their mother about two years after being born. Grizzly 399 first emerged from the den with their four cubs in 2020. The grizzly's family official split seemed to have been spurred on by a large male grizzly that has shown up to court 399. Wildlife watchers and photographers speculate that the bear is grizzly 679 known as Bruno, that Grand Teton officials weren't able to confirm the bear's identity. At midday Friday, the two bears that appeared to have been frequently the Solitude subdivision were seen walking north in the park. The other two collared cubs were seen alone and farther north. Managers and watchers still have not seen the fourth cub. Thompson and park officials urged the public to give the cubs and bears in general space. Some of the photographers and visitors who are coming are getting really close to these bears, a lot closer than is safe, said Grand Teton Chief of Staff Jeremy Barnum. Implored people to not follow the bears and attempt to scoot in just a little closer for that great photo. The saga of 399 looks like it's taken a turn. We'll keep updated on that and we'll find out how 399 and 679 and Bruno to see if they actually do have a courtship in the making. And finally today, I want to recognize the town of Lovell, Wyoming, and their police department in an article by David Peck of the Lovell Chronicle. For the second time in a seven-month period, a Lovell police officer has been honored with the prestigious Lovell Police Department Lifesaver Award. Chief of Police Dan Lathan and Mayor Tom Newman presented the award to Officer Dusty Schultz at Tuesday night's Lovell Town Council meeting for his actions on March 4th to save an eight-year-old boy from a burning home. This was a significant event, Chief Laffin said. Some law enforcement officers go their whole career without being placed in a situation to earn this award. And this is our second award in a few months. Laffin said that on early morning of Friday, March 4th, Officer Schultz and Deputy Jeff Engel of the Bighorn County Sheriff's Office were on duty when a 911 call came to the Lovell Dispatch Center at 1.22 a.m. from what Laffin described as a completely panicked person asking for fire and ambulance response for a home by the laundromat. Schultz and Engel were in the Bighorn County Annex in Lovell and heard the call come in, then immediately responded, and although the caller didn't provide an exact address, Laffin noted that in a house fire, it wasn't very hard to find at night. The house was fully engulfed with 15-foot flames, Laffin said, and he added that during the 911 call, the dispatcher could hear someone calling for a child inside the house. It was a horrific situation, he said. Most of the family had escaped, 
But in the chaos, eight-year-old boy Connor did not make it out of the home, the lifesaver ward explains. Officer Schultz could hear the faint cries of the child inside. Both Schultz and Angle were circling the house calling out and listening for Connor at each window when they heard the screams of the boy inside. As the ward explains, Officer Schultz and Deputy Angle broke out a window and managed to coach Connor to the window. The officers reached inside the window and pulled Connor from the home, saving his life. After being checked out at a Bighorn County Hospital, the, his lungs were damaged from the smoke. Connor was flown to a burn center in Denver. He has since been released, and although he is receiving breathing treatments and using a nebulizer, he is expected to make a full recovery, Lappin said. Mayor Newman said the actions of Schultz and Engel rendered another community tragedy. The previous level police department, Lifesaver Award, has been presented to Officer Chantille Stahl in September of 2021 after her rapid response to a 911 call and her quick administration of CPR saved the life of heart attack victim Tim Cahill at his home on June 16th. Well done, Level Wyoming and your heroic officers. You definitely are part of the Code of the West doing what has to be done. Again, thanks for all you do. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed our show. As per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming here at Let's Talk Wyoming, your everything Wyoming podcast.